Welcome in to the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And it is week two. Mississippi State traveling out to the desert. They're willingly participating in Pac-12 after dark, which may or may not be a mistake as the Bulldogs take on a much improved Arizona team. Um, we're going to have, obviously, a full breakdown of what you expect out of the Wildcats in this episode. As, uh, and then, you know, talking about how Mississippi State can match up. Uh, against Arizona and of course give our picks for the week Um, but starting off obviously Daniel does the preview shows and Lounge does the recap but we did want to let Daniel give some of his thoughts uh, from the season opener so I'll I'll let you take the floor right here what do you think after State's kind of dominating performance in week one? Oh yeah it was a lot of fun Uh, you know just the team came out with a lot of energy after that that lightning delay that I was terrified at first that they wouldn't come out with energy and they'd let Memphis keep, keep up. And, and it would just be, it, it would become a game that would be too close for comfort, but the way they just came out of that lightning delay and just put the hurt on them. You know, I got, I went back, my family had all left. I went and watched with my, my friends in the student section and, and it felt great being back there. And, and just that view of uh, from the end zone, I mean, man, that Will Rogers, Looks gonna. I know y'all talked about it. Like Will Rogers looks accurate. He looks good, and he's making some pretty good decisions. Obviously, you're gonna throw it so much, and every once in a while you're gonna get a pick. Just that's what happens when you throw the ball so much. But man, he he looks accurate, and he's making some good decisions. Um, and and protection looked great. And even uh, that one play where uh, the pocket kind of broke, and he and he swung out to the left side, and he got that pass that. It was really a bit of a 50-50 ball to Caleb Ducking. It was a fantastic pass and a great grab by, by Ducking. It was the perfect receiver to throw to. Um, I remember in our, in our season preview, I said Antonio Harmon was going to be that guy. And, Andrew, you said uh, Ducking was the guy. And, and you know what, looking at it, I was like, oh, yeah, Ducking's definitely the guy for that. <laughs> ducking should be the guy if for no other reason than that he's got an incredible touchdown celebration. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that is wonderful um no it, it was it was obviously a great opening win uh you mentioned throwing downfield a little bit on some of those sh- uh, plays downfield I, I love to see that a lot um Memphis kind of took a little bit of an aggressive approach in this game at times and it created a lot of one-on-one opportunities and Will was able to really dice them apart which is not something we've gotten to see much considering how many teams are dropping back into you know eight-man zone coverage it was a good win the only other thing we wanted to bring bring up about Memphis before we move on to previewing Arizona. And this was a request from our overlord, Colton Watson, uh, that he wanted me and Lounge to talk about. And we totally forgot. I was trying to rush that episode and make sure we got it through done in 40 minutes. Um, the whole idea from Memphis fans that they were being disrespected by the spread and that they were like a, you know, being a 15 to 16 point underdog, depending on where you looked and, just Memphis fans in general expecting to come in and win that game. I mean, and I might touch on this more later because there's another theme. It's a theme that's going to reemerge. It is a reminder that football season kicks around and like you see it in the off season, but you especially see it during the season when you start interacting directly with these other fan bases at game week, just the mindset that every other team has playing Mississippi state where unless their team is total crap, it's like their fans just expect to win. 
And like you see it in the SEC all the time, including some SEC programs that have no business just assuming wins against Mississippi State still do it. But it's crazier when it's teams like Memphis, where it's like they see Mississippi State and they think, oh, yeah, we're supposed to win that game. And it's like, I understand they've had success. And I understand they won the game last year, but the inability of them to be able to look at the way that game played out a year ago and recognize how lucky they were to win and also look at where Mississippi State is as a team this year, you're going on the road and just say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep that game close. Guys, Mississippi State was a much, much better football team than you were. And like, get past the fact that it's MSU. Get past the fact that it's a team that you have been able to beat before. Like, it, th- this whole idea that people are disrespected when they're a big underdog against Mississippi State. I know Kentucky fans have cried about it before. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's just, it, it's a stupid thing. And I think not so much a disrespect card being called, but I do think some Arizona fans are definitely getting a little bit cocky going into this game and we'll talk about that later but I thought that was just interesting and Colton wanted us to bring it up so we will yeah I mean you know we, we're going to see that theme a lot because we're Mississippi State we wear the maroon and white you know they they saw it in the past right oh we used to always beat Mississippi State therefore we continue or we will continue to do so and that's times are changing I mean I bet in 2014, LSU went up against us saying, oh, yeah, it's Mississippi State. Nothing's going to happen there. And uh, what do you know, a few weeks later, we're number one in the country, including a win against LSU. Uh, that kind of thing, just just you never know. And it's so early in the season, you can't say with certainty, oh, they, they're definitely a bad team. They're definitely a good team. Mississippi State looked great on Saturday. I'm not going to say they are great. They looked great, right? It, it, some bad teams look great. Some good, great teams look bad every once in a while. Uh, There's only one week to really look at, and and only so much that that has been done so far with this offense and the capability that it has. You just you don't know entirely yet, and and that's okay. You got time to figure it out. I mean, even last year we would ask questions over and over, like, are we a good or a bad team? Like we we just we didn't even know. Uh, really when you look back, it was just stupid mistakes that, that pushed us back. We were a good team that made a lot of mistakes. And, and this year's team looks like it could be a great team. If you cut out those mistakes, it, it is going to be a great season. Um, and so with that like kind of disrespect of Mississippi State, it, it just – you got to figure out, you know. And, and just because we were seven and six last year doesn't mean we're going to do the same thing this year, even with the, a really, really hard schedule uh, with, with, you know, some tougher draw in the East and, and you know, and, and with a decent, decent opponent in, uh, from the Pac-12 coming up. For sure. Uh, like, this team – should be a really good team. Um, obviously, we'll see how things play out. You got a big test this weekend. Um, and I will say, like, from a fan base, fan perspective, I understand. Fans are always going to be biased. Fans are just naturally going to lean on the helmets. I do want, I do think it's fair to point out, because, like, state fans are already doing the whole thing, you know, all the college football media overlooking MSU, and a good bit are. But I, I do want to give credit. I do think there are more people this year, I, I've noticed in the college football media circles that I follow, that have been willing to say, like, dang, I look at, like, the guys they have coming back and, like, they were probably better than their record was indicated a year ago. Like, this state team could be pretty good. So I do think, like, 
for as much as we love to focus on uh, Mr. Barrett Salee and his predictions as it revolves around Mississippi State, there are a lot of guys out there who are starting to give us our credit. So, um, it will, you know, obviously it's up to MSU to deliver on that and show that this can be a big year, but I feel like they can. So, starting off, let's, let's take a look at what Arizona was. Um, back in 2021, it, it was a really rough season for them, 1-11. Uh, I believe they may or may not have been winless during the COVID year, so they've had a really, really rough stretch leading in. 1-8 in Pac-12 play, the one win they got came against Cal. They did get more competitive over the back half of the year. They had a few close losses along the way, um, but it was a really tough season for them. Uh, and they brought in a lot of transfers in the offseason, but, you know, the goal for them was to, you know, they needed to make some major improvements. The the, the unfortunate thing for them is, you know, you, we talk about Mississippi State having a brutal schedule. Arizona scheduling-wise, their non-conference was ridiculous. Opening up the year at San Diego State, who historically is a really good team in the Mountain West. They were a 12-win team a year. You know, they dominated Arizona in Tucson a year ago. Then playing Mississippi State in week two. And then who's their FCS opponent? Oh, it's North Dakota State. Like the one FCS team you should never schedule a game against. Arizona decided, yeah, we'll play them. Um, but through one week, they're clearly showing that they're a much improved team on the road at San Diego state, opening up a new stadium. Uh, the Arizona dominates to a 38 to 20 victory. They were six and a half point underdogs going into this game. Um, one of those, tw- uh, of that 20 points, seven of that came off a blocked, uh, punt and San Diego state didn't even block it. It was a major screw up by Arizona. They were backed up. Uh, in their own end zone and the punter ran into like as he was kicking he basically kicked it into the back of one of his blockers it wasn't even that uh San Diego State came up and blocked the kick so they really controlled this game 461 yards of offense uh that was led by Jaden Delora the Washington State transfer who obviously that's guy Mike Leach is very familiar with uh 22 of 35 passing for 299 yards four touchdowns to one interception um they had a big day with DJ Williams on the ground, 14 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, as a team, they rushed for 162 yards and over four four yards of carry. So it was a really good day on the ground for them. And kind of the big breakout performance, Jacob Cowling at wide receiver, transfer out of UTEP, eight catches for 152 yards, three touchdowns. San Diego State had no answer for him. And defensively, Really good day, 232 yards allowed, and I mentioned only 13 defensive points allowed. Um, they held San Diego State, and this was Braxton Burmeister, at quarterback, to 7 of 16 passing for just 62 yards, 3.9 yards per attempt. Did throw a touchdown pass to a name Mississippi State fans are going to be familiar with, Terrell Shavers, uh, like one of those big transfers that came in when Mike Leach was hired, who uh, was processed out because of some off-field things after just a few games. He ends up at uh, San Diego State and kind of was the one bright spot in their passing game against Arizona. Uh, did have an interception, but that was an interception that was um, off the hands of one of San Diego State's receivers. So it wasn't really like Arizona making a play, but I, I, I can't diss them because they held them, I mean, to 62 yards passing. Now, they did run the ball really well, 170 rush yards and four yards per attempt. Um, their defensive end, Jalen uh, Harris got a sack. They had four tackles for loss in this game, and they did get that interception was with their free safety, Jackson Turner. Really dominant performance. And the type of game you look at from Arizona, it's like, oh, this is not the same team they were a year ago. Yeah, they're they're much improved, and they showed that same competitive competitiveness that they had 
at the end of last season, just with more results, right? And they, they still maintained really good competition throughout the end of the year last year. And, and you know, you kind of saw that. But bringing in some of these big names, uh, especially guys like Jake Cowing, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal receiver and, and will continue to do so throughout the season, you've got a lot of a lot of better talent and and now you still have that same fighting spirit with better talent they're gonna they're gonna find more games to dominate this year and it's not the it's not the Arizona program that Kevin Sumlin had had tore to the ground it it's a it's a new program rebuilt and I mean you know they're they're here to compete and you know they, there's a reason they I think there is a reason they think they're gonna win and it's not just that that were Mississippi State. I think it's also a combination of that. And they they really liked how they looked. And and just like I said earlier, I mean, we looked really good on week one. So did Arizona. And so both teams looked good to their fans. Now we both really expect to win. For sure. Um, and look, they do have a lot to be excited about. Jed Fish uh, has, I mean, it looks like clearly he's turning around that program pretty quickly. He was another one of those hires. Over the past couple of years, there's been a few head coaching hires that most of the country has kind of looked at and rolled their eyes like what you're hiring that guy. Like when, when this guy, you think about a Sam Pittman, you think about a Shane Beamer and Jed Fish was in that group. Well, the track record on those guys is turning out to be pretty good. And it, it does seem like there's sort of a, uh, a change to how programs are going to evaluate who their upcoming head coaches should be. And, you know, understanding it doesn't necessarily have to be someone with extensive coordinating experience or, you know, G five head coaching experience. And you can just find the right guy. Um, he can be the one for you. And look, he's recruiting really well, brought in a, a flux of talent in the transfer portal this year. And they're seeing the dividends for that payoff in week one. Um, and, and it's going to make this game a little bit more of a challenge. And I think a lot of state fans were anticipating before the, the, the year. And I know we obviously circled this game as a letdown spot um, coming in before we even knew what Arizona would be simply because of the, the, the all the, outside factors where where it falls in the schedule between Memphis and between the trip to LSU, late kickoff, long, long plane ride, just unfamiliar opponent, like things go crazy, Pac-12 after dark. Now you're factoring in that they're actually a pretty good team, which uh, maybe that's better for MSU. Maybe uh, got, like, I don't, I know Mike Leach is one of those guys who hammers home to treating every opponent equally and not getting too up, but we all know the reality that you're going to treat different opponents differently. Hopefully this performance of week one means that state's less likely to uh, kind of roll their eyes at this game. Definitely. And we just got to see that, that kind of uh, that, that hammer down from the leaders on the team. So, so Will Rogers on offense and then really that linebacking core that, that really does lead, I think, emotionally uh, the defense, you got, you got to see that from both sides of the ball and, yeah, I, I don't know what more. It's it's like you said, it's Pac-12 after dark. Anything could happen, and it's the kind of thing. It's it's hard to preview. Like we're about to go talk about you know the the coaching staff at Arizona and kind of what they've done, but like it's going to be eight o'clock local time there. I think. I mean that yes. that's pretty late for any local time to start. So and, and they are required like by law, they cannot play games during the day during this time of the year. Like that's yeah. not even like a joke thing. Like, like because of how hot it gets out there. And I saw on Saturday high temperature of like 92, which is cool for out there. And that's because the weather conditions we'll talk about later are 
not the type of not the type of weather you would typically see out there this time of the year. But obviously, they plan these kickoffs weeks in advance. They're not going to you know move games up just because oh it's it's not that hot compared to what it usually is. Uh, and I'm sure down on the field it'll still it would still be scorching during the day anyway. Um, so obviously playing late at night, but that's like I said, that's a big adjustment. Um, so to get previewing this team a little bit more on offense, uh, this is really where you saw a lot of the impact transfers. We'll start off with the guy in charge, offensive coordinator Brennan Carroll. That is Pete Carroll's son. Um, so current head coach at the Seattle Seahawks, Super Bowl winning coach, national championship winning coach. Uh, he is the OC down there in Tucson. Previously, he was spent a lot of his career coaching under his dad. He was run game coordinator with the Seahawks uh, going in to last season when he took over at Arizona. Uh, previously spent five years as their line coach. Uh, as a He was a graduate assistant and tight end coach at USC while his dad was there. Spent some time in Miami as a tight end wide receiver coach. So he's been around. Uh, he does have familiarity with the college game. And obviously he's learned a lot under a really good coach. A guy who had a lot of success uh, both at the professional and collegiate level. But um, what they're doing offensively, I will say, is quickly getting into NFL talk. The Seahawks offense, even when they had Russell Wilson with all the weapons that they had at receiver, there's been a lot of eye rolling about what they do schematically. I, I would say, I would say that he he does a better job than maybe his dad. Let's hit their offense do in the NFL and, and actually scheming some stuff up. Um, the big name to look at on offense, we talked about him, Jaden Delora. Transferred in from Washington State. He's a guy who signed with Mike Leach to play in that air raid system. One of the bigger quarterback recruits that Leach had signed during his time at Wazoo. And uh, he's was the starter at Washington State each of the last two seasons. Um, last year, uh, over 20, uh, nearly 2,800 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, just nine interceptions. Uh, was really the leader in that offense. Um, and we talked about his stats game one against San Diego State. Nearly 300 yards passing four touchdowns in that game. He, he's a legit player. He, he is a guy who can, he is a guy who can go out and make plays. He is a massive upgrade for what Arizona had last year. They started four different quarterbacks. Now those guys threw 10 touchdowns combined had 18 interceptions. The, the actual best passer on Arizona for Arizona a year ago was a wide receiver who had two touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, he completed like 40% of his passes, but at least he didn't turn the ball over. Uh <laughs> It was a really rough year for Zona throwing football a year ago. Delora comes in immediately. It's a you know night and day change for what they had. And the other big thing they have going for them is they've got a really good group of receivers. Uh, we talked about UTEP transfer Jacob Cowling. He had the big day against San Diego State last year, over 1,300 receiving yards and seven receiving touchdowns for the minors. And what was a really good year for them. He is target number one. He is the guy that you expect Emmanuel Forbes to be going up against in this game. And, you know, it's going to be a, t a tough battle, but he's not the only guy either. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but true freshman uh, to Tararoa, I'll go with that, McMillan. He was a four-star uh, out of California. They had to beat out Oregon to sign him. He's like their biggest offensive signee they've had since Rob Gronkowski. Um, so this was a big-time get for him. And in this opener, three catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. So he made an impact right away. And, uh, rounding out their starting receiver group is Dorian St Singer, who had six catches for 57 yards. They got a really good group of receivers, and those are the guys that I think if you're Mississippi State, you have to single in on. And this is state defense, and in the past has given up big plays. You're going to isolate your corners one-on-one. -on -one. You're going to ask your safeties to lock down guys. I think MSU secondary is a massive key in this game. I agree. And and covering those those big wide receivers – 
you know, Forbes versus Calvin is the matchup to watch. Um, but but Richardson, uh, he'll have his work cut out for him. And then, you know, those two safety or only the three safeties we got back there. I mean, they all they got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, and when they're in man man to man coverage, they got they got they got a tough job. And, you know, they saying about McMillan, I mean, he definitely a high-profile high, uh, recruit. And if you beat out Oregon for a recruit on the West Coast, you did something right. And, and hey, you know, re- big shout-out just the way they loaded up this offense. And, obviously, it's only one game so far, but just the way they produced, it's it's crazy. And even looking, uh, looking a bit deeper, I mean, yeah, DJ Williams, a, a transfer from from Florida State, um, had a really like pretty decent day running back. Um, then another freshman, uh, Jonah Coleman. You know they got they they have depth at running backs. You know we we talk about the depth that we have with with Woody and Dylan and even Simeon Price now. Like Arizona's not to be messed around with their uh, run back runner running back group, and even looking at their offensive line, you know they 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 have experience there. You know, they, they did struggle a lot. I mean, they were really bad last year, really bad. And so they struggled a lot. Um, but with the offensive line, when you look at a lot of experience and guys growing, they, they, they do get a lot better. And when you return those guys, even if they had a bad year the year before, as long as they fix a lot of those fundamentals in practice, uh, which it looks like they, they did pretty decent with that here in the opener, uh, they, they get a lot better. And that was, that was seen right there. And so they, they did their job against San Diego State and it it's it's something to to look out for and I mean hey they're they're not to be messed with they they didn't rebuild they they really did reload uh or they, they you can't reload what wasn't there they loaded um they loaded so up they loaded up for sure they didn't, you can't reload a one and eleven team that's actually that's not good we know but, what you mean we know what you mean um, yeah. but like, yeah, like you were talking about the run game again, over 160 yards against uh, San Diego state. And that's a San Diego state defense that is typically good. Now I, I talked about it and like, I picked Arizona in the upset for this game. I don't really know what San Diego state is as a team this year. Um, with some of the pieces that they lost and obviously some of the off field stuff going on with that program right now, what does that mean for them going forward? But I mean, Arizona couldn't get anything going offensively in this game a year ago. And their offensive line, they gave Delora time. They pay, opened up uh, running lanes for uh, specifically for Williams, but also for Coleman, like you mentioned. They had a really good day. Only one sack allowed. And San Diego State brought pressure a lot. They, they play an aggressive style. Um, they tried to bring pressure throughout that game, and they really couldn't get home on Delora. So, I mean, that, I, clearly that offensive line has taken a big step forward. And if you're Mississippi State uh, – Again, we talked about the matchup, like Emmanuel Forbes going up against Cowling and State's DBs against uh, that receiving group. You you really can't let Delora have time. And I, I'm going to trust State in the run game defensively. I, I just think at this point, there's only been a couple games under Zach Arnett's tenure where teams really run the balls well against Mississippi State. Um, I feel like in a game like this, I'm going to trust our guys to handle their business. But look, it, it's going to I think defense is the biggest key for Mississippi State going to this game by far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that defense has got to do their job. And, 
you know, you could easily tell when quite a few of the starters had gone to the bench on Saturday. There is a decent chance that they don't could do that this week. Uh, there is a decent chance that they stay in the whole game. And I, I kind of wish they stayed out there just a little bit longer, at least one or two more drives. Uh, and when, when they gave that 50-yard touchdown, I mean, it was just a – it was just an ugly play and, and just not good at all. I think, you know, guys need to stay on the field and, and be ready. I mean, it's going to be hot. It's going to be, you know, weird conditions, different than what you're used to. But, like, you got, you got to figure it out, right? And you got to find a way to, to just stay – get wait, wait, let me word this differently get off the field, not because you're tired or anything, but because you you force them to punt or turn the ball over, you know, get off the field as quickly as possible. But, you know, let's, let's keep the guys in a little bit longer this week. I mean, I just, I know there is no doubt that we were going to win the game, you know, after we were 35, three last week, but I just, I want, I want to see them a little bit long because I just, I I hate giving up garbage time touchdowns because it just makes the game look closer than it actually was. And people look at the score. It's like, Oh, Hey, Mississippi state gave up 23 points to Memphis. How dumb is that? It's like, well, yeah, but we were also up 35 to three. Uh, there are Arizona fans doing that by the way. Like, oh, really? So, I didn't even see that yet. Okay. Wow. Yes. Um, uh, not many, but there's a few who are just looking at the overall stats and the overall numbers and thinking that that's an indi- indication of how the game actually played out. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, you got to get off the field. This is a team like they they're going to have a good passing attack throughout the season. They got the type of offense that's going to give them a chance in pretty much every game they play, and potentially that gives them a chance in this game. So, uh, state's defense like this is going to be a big game for Zach Arnett. Um, you got an offense that's going to be can throw it on you. They can run it on you. Um, they've got some really talented pieces, particularly in that receiving core and a quarterback that if you give him time, he's going to make smart decisions and deliver an accurate ball. State's going to have to uh, really be dialed in. If we're going to take a look at the Arizona defense, so a year ago, they actually weren't awful under kind of legend, longtime legendary defense coordinator Don Brown. It was their first time allowing fewer than 400 yards per game since 2010. That kind of tells you the type of defenses that have been out there in Tucson for a long time, but they weren't great. Um, it was kind of one of those, you know, the numbers skewed a little bit. Don Brown is, was a very aggressive defense coordinator. He's a guy that's going to send pressure, going to play man coverage on the outside. Well, they did that, but they didn't get a lot of pressure. Didn't force many sacks, didn't force many tackles for loss or quarterback hurries, and they didn't force a lot of turnovers. And teams were really able to run the ball on them a lot. Now, the strength of that team was in their secondary, where they only allowed 190 pass yards per game. That was 14th in the country and only gave up 58% with not really giving up many big plays. So you're like, wow, this is a really good passing defense. Well, again, the numbers kind of lie to you because they were 104th in yards per attempt allowed, giving up over eight yards per attempt. 95th in passing touchdowns allowed on the season. I think they gave up 24 or 25. And they were 116th in passer rating allowed. Uh, teams, like, actually, when they did throw against them, had a little bit of success. And I feel like that total yardage was probably more a, a sign of teams just being running the football against them rather than sitting back and throwing. The good passing teams they played a year ago actually had good days, and that includes an air raid team in USC last year. Uh, so Don Brown moves on. He, he takes a new job going back to UMass to be the head coach where he was the head coach before. They bring in Johnny Yan- Nansen, who was a longtime Pac-12 assistant, and he's the opposite type of guy. He's going to be much more re- 
much less aggressive and kind of more of a, you know, we're going to let the game come to us. We'll just react to what they do. And I think it's kind of more of a bend, don't break style, which I, you saw a bit of it when they played against San Diego State. But again, it was a good debut. 13 defensive points allowed, only 232 yards, and especially against the pass. Now, the context here is that Braxton Burmeister was, is not a good quarterback. Yeah, he's kind of an okay athlete, but he's certainly not good throwing the football when you saw the numbers that were put up. And, and San Diego State still ran the ball well in this game. Now, how much does it translate when you're talking about playing Mississippi State the next week? I mean, we ran it a lot against Memphis. We'll, we'll see if, if that carries over. Um, but it's not a good San Diego State offense. That's never been a strength, and they just don't have any pieces there. Uh, some of the key players on this team, Jalen Harris, probably their best defensive lineman. He had a sack in this in this past game. Jackson Turner at free safety, probably their best player back there. He did have an interception. And then kind of an impact player to look out on this defense as a transfer, Hunter Eccles, who comes in from USC, um, kind of playing a hybrid outside linebacker pass rush role. So they've got some okay pieces, and, and they weren't terrible a year ago. It's just – I think if you dive into the deeper stats, they're maybe not quite as good as they let on. And it's like, how good of a defensive performance did they actually have knowing San Diego State's offense is kind of hot garbage? Yeah, um, I definitely think that when you look at San Diego State and just kind of what they did, they they, they kind of messed up now putting Jalen Maiden, personal preference on that, at quarterback, and it, it – well, he's playing like DB now. They're, they're, they're not who they used to be, right? They're not who they used to be. And and it's it's for sure a uh, a different team than they were last year. They're not they're not Mountain West champions this year. But you know, it, I do wonder that that kind of new approach from uh from Nansen, if that's gonna hurt them or or help them in the long run. I mean, it if you're gonna wait and and see what Mississippi State comes out and does there's a decent chance they put up 14 points before you blink. Um, now, there's also a chance that that Will Rogers could get just a little too comfortable there in the pocket and, and you know, get a little, little uh, comfortable and make a mistake. And it, you, you don't know what that's going to do. And this is the kind of game that you hope you scored a touchdown right away, right? Like, just, just like we did last week. Ten-play drive, kept it off with the Ra Ra Thomas touchdown. Everything's good there. And you're able to move on and and kind of get that get that momentum going. Yeah, I, I think speaking about their defense, long term, I don't hate that approach. I feel like with where college football is and the number of teams that are playing these wide open spread offenses, you've kind of seen some of the teams that take the you know bend don't break approach rather than trying to be hyper aggressive have had success. Which it, it's funny talking about this considering that we are hyper aggressive on defense and it, it does work for us. Um, but a lot of teams have sort of flipped the other direction of like, look, we're not going to, we know that like everything is kind of working against us with the way the rules are and the way teams are playing these days. Just don't give up the big play. Keep everything in front of us, run up and make tackles, force them to go on long drives and force the other team to not make a mistake. When it gets down to the red zone and things tighten up, we'll get the stop. And I think against a lot of teams that's successful. I feel like against us, I don't like that. I, I don't know if that's a great approach which it, it, it kind of goes both ways because I also feel like if you're going to try to, you know, just dial up pressure and give us one-on-ones, we're going to take advantage of that as well. But this is an offense so built heavily around just executing and guys knowing how to attack, you know, every defense that's thrown at them and getting in the right spot and just working in rhythm. I feel like if you're just going to sit back, like we will gladly go on a 14-play drive. We don't care if we're getting 
Mike Leach could not care less if we're getting four yards per attempt. If it means that every, if every single time we're completing it and every single time we're getting four yards, four yards, four yards, and just marching down the field at a snail's pace. We'll do that in this offense. Again, it is the bizarro triple option. That's what I talk about all the time with this team. So I do think, like, I kind of just have some confidence in Mississippi State that, like, I, I'm, they've got a couple good players on their defensive line, but I'm not too worried about that yet, even if State breaks in some new guys uh, at, at tackle and along the offensive line. Some good players in, in the secondary, that's where the strength of their team is, but how many teams are they going up against that have the receiver talent that we do? And like I said, I know it was a different scheme, but a year ago when they played teams that were good at throwing the football, they didn't look good. They didn't play a lot of good passing offenses in the Pac-12. The few times they did, they they gave up some big numbers. So I think that plays right into Mississippi State's hands. Definitely. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this Pac-12 off dark. You never know what's going to happen. What you think is going to happen is not going to happen. And And – you know, it's quite possible that everything we say here, we thrown out the window when that kickoff happens, just because that's kind of crap that happens in in this league. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun to see. All right. So our keys to the game, uh, and look, I think. We're keeping it a little simple this week. And I think the biggest thing is state has to win the battle of the line of scrimmage. If we're talking about both sides of the ball, you're an SEC team. They are. Um, you have talent along your offensive and defensive lines that they don't. Now, look, they've got a couple good players on their defensive line. Their offensive line is experienced and you know played better in week one than it did much of last year. But we know the type of talent and the type of depth MSU has along both lines. You need to assert yourself. When you're when you, obviously when you're in pass pro, there's no reason Will Rogers should ever really be getting under pressure in this game. When you do run the ball, like State was successful against Memphis, kind of just bowling them over at the start in a lot of those. You expect to be able to do that again. And look, San Diego State ran the ball well against them. So when you do run the ball in this game, I feel like State should be able to have success. And then when you're on the defensive side of the ball, you need to be able to generate pressure. You need to be able to get after them and obviously like get off walk quickly when they do choose choose to run the football and when you're going, when they're dropping back into pass protection, you expect to be able to get pressure and not give Delora a lot of time to throw. So I, I think a lot of this starts up front when you're MSU. Absolutely, and just like you said, we're the SEC team. Got to dominate that. Uh, got to got to have more sacks than than them. You know, got to give up fewer sacks than than they give up. It's just, yeah, push forward or. or pass block you know to perfection and really like if if what we saw against memphis is a sign great like good good start right but it is memphis we know their defense isn't that good um you know and and you know just like you're saying i mean you gotta gotta take it slow on offense right like we were saying 14 play drive i mean let's do it pick them apart and and it, it, there's a chance that their defensive scheme fits perfectly for us to just completely tear apart. There's also a chance that it doesn't, it, you just never know, but definitely like take them apart. And, and like I said, maybe use some more running plays. I mean, if they're not that good at defending it, let's run the dang ball, you know, let's just hope that our, 
our guys up in the center can uh, write uh, Sharp and and who, who who are the guards? I can't remember now. Cole Smith and uh... oh god, how um, do we forget this? Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, it's so dollar bill left tackle, um, left guard is it's one of the Smiths. It's one of the Smiths, and then it's LaQuinton Sharp. Then it's uh, oh God, oh God. How do we um, forget this? I think it's it's Nick Jones at right tackle. I think, and uh, th- this is really embarrassing. By the way, this is terrible for us. the guys you forget. Like the most overlooked guys, I'll let you look that up. And, uh, make sure we have the right. Yeah, this line, is, But no, I you're right. You, you keep going. I'll I'll, I'll get the roster. Like I I can't believe this. This is amateur hour right here, but I mean, I think people should expect that from us at this point. Look, but what you were talking about, Memphis is going to be a reactionary on defense. And I think if your state, like at this point in the offense, you're comfortable going against that because a lot of teams are going to play that against us. That's how teams are going to to play us in general, because they're not going to try to get a lot of pressure, not try to be attacked too much because of the potential of getting beat over the top. Just take your time to control the clock. Time of possession, that's something we dominated against Memphis. That's uh, going to be a, probably another big factor in this game is them not being able to get us off the field. Continue to convert third downs. And, look, I, you you, been, you just mentioned it. Look, I know I am Mr. Throw the Ball. I am Mr. Air Raid. That is sort of my brand is that I just embrace that's what this offense is. But you did see a willingness against Memphis that when if they put five men in the box, okay, we're just going to call a run play and hand it off. And I feel like you might see a good bit of that from Arizona in this game. And if, if they're going to do it, that's a team that's not good at stopping the run by all means. I mean, we don't do much in the run game, but I will take inside zone to uh, Dylan Johnson and Marks all day. If they're just going to give it to us and let us get five, six yards of carry. You have that starting lineup, the offensive line pulled up. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you got Cam Jones at right tackle, right? Cole Smith at right guard, Nick Jones at left guard. I mixed the Joneses up. That was the issue. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> big mistake on our part, guys. We, we Hey, it, it's late. Uh, it, it, you know, it, that's very typical, though, the offensive line getting overlooked. Um, look, I, I think the biggest thing in this game, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, to me it comes down to state's defense. I just trust the offense at this point. And, and maybe I'm foolish for that because the air raid can be a bit sporadic at times. And I guess if I were going to add one other thing, like just like against Memphis where we talked about get off to a fast start, don't let this thing be a game. It, you know, Don't get into this game and you know, mess around and find yourself having to play from behind because that's exactly when in a road environment, sounds like Arizona fans are pretty excited for this game and they're going to have a good bit of people on hand. That's where you create issues. I think State needs to come out executing right away, but defensively is the biggest thing for me. They've got a really good group of receivers. they got a good quarterback. Our DBs have to win. Emmanuel Forbes, Cameron Richardson, if Marcus Banks is out there, uh, I believe Jackie Matthews, I know he left the game against Memphis with the injury, and he's kind of been a limited participant, but all indications I've heard is that he should be ready to go for this game. Jalen Green, those guys have to win their battles in the secondary. You, you can't allow yourself to get beat over the top. Hold good coverage, keep everything in front of you, and part of that goes back to the pass rush. That is kind of the one big thing on defense. It was a big issue a year ago, not being able to generate pass rush. They got some pressure against Memphis, but didn't always get home. You can't give Delora time. 
He's not much of a runner, but he is someone who can kind of extend plays with his legs a little bit. Um, you got to be able to bring him down and, and force him into quick decisions and force him into mistakes. And, and I feel like if State's defense can do that, I really like their chances in this game. Yeah. And, you know, just like you said, don't give him time, put a lot of pressure on him. And I do think that's one thing we could have done a bit better in week one. You know, you're, you're working it all out, and, and you still want to be that same aggressive kind of aggressive approach on defense and, and force them to make errors. Because when, you know, the kind of secondary that the experience that we have there, if you force them to make a, a bad throw, you might, you might find the, the ball in your hands. Um, and, you know, you, you nailed it right there. You know, and the, these kind of keys to the game, like we got to – got to find a way to win on defense and and basically if you can't tell like we're we're both saying like the key really relies on that Mississippi State defense you know the offense is going to do its thing like you know we're, we're past knock on wood we're past the days of Mississippi State's offense putting up zero points against opponents um or putting up seven or ten or thirteen like those days are gone no well we'll see we what play, happens against Alabama playing. and Georgia but yeah, well, well, uh, we'll cross that count those. when we get to it. So I don't count those games. I'm thinking more of you know Kentucky in 2020 when we put up two no, points. No, for sure, for sure. Or didn't, maybe someone else shut us out. I, Bama shut us out. That's right, uh, <laughs> as expected that year. But like you know, you're looking at it, and it's like those days are just about gone. Like we're able to put up points on just just about anybody in the country and not just put up points put up a lot of points what is the defense going to do and if they do their role and just for like that first arizona drive they can force a three and out and set the tone on defense it could be a really really good game for mississippi state even if they allow like one or two first downs on that first drive you know it's a 10 yard pass to to cowing or, or you know one of the, these really good freshmen you know, okay, just get back on the line and, and run it back. Like, we still got this, you know, like talent-wise and pure talent, we are better. But that doesn't mean we're going to win the game. You've got to perform better. Um, and that's all that takes. That defense has got to perform. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the other kind of little things that's not being talked about a lot with this game uh, – Something you would not have expected at all when we said we were going out and playing in the desert. There is a chance for rain. So Hurricane K out in the Pacific Ocean uh, is crossing uh, pretty close to the uh, pretty close to the California border, actually, and kind of moving on uh, past the Baja Peninsula. But that's going to bring a lot of moisture into Arizona that they typically wouldn't have at this time of year, and that means increased rain chances. Now, most of those chances seem to be for Friday afternoon into Friday evening, and tend to be situated more off to the west. Uh, Tucson, for those unfamiliar, is in southeastern Arizona. Um, but there's still a chance for some scattered showers and storms throughout the weekend, and that includes into Saturday evening. Most recently, looking on the NWS for Tucson, about a 20% chance on Saturday evening of rain, probably before 11 p.m. So that'd be right in game time. So, you know, kind of a small chance, but still a possibility. Look, I don't think it's going to be a total washout, but there's really no way of knowing, especially when you talk about these little, you know, these tropical uh, showers and, and the type of rain they can bring. 
State played in some rain last week. You got some experience with that. You've had to do it a few times now. It hasn't always looked good, but you didn't. It didn't wasn't an issue for you against Memphis. Hopefully, you don't get into a total downpour because I certainly wouldn't like that. But maybe if that happens, maybe that is when you have to just say, okay, well, like we're going to have to just run the ball in this game and be successful doing that. And I, I would trust this. Which I will say I, something I have heard: the inclination people always hear when they hear weather is that you're it's going to lessen the offense and you're not going to be able to move the ball as much. If you actually look in the way things like lean out, like you tend to get more points in rain games than you uh, typically would expect because the offense is sort of just operating as it does. And it's just the defense that has to react and the defense can't make those same cuts and becomes harder to make tackles. Maybe that helps us out some, but although for our defense, I I don't know how I'd feel about that. So that's one of those things that you have to keep, uh, keep in mind for this game. We might have some weather we have to deal with. You're making the trip out to Tucson, have the rain gear handy which is something, again, I don't think any of you were thinking ahead of time. Um, Lord knows I didn't pack any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel's making the trip. And I don't think he, he, I don't think he checked the weather forecast anticipating anything other than roasting, but a uh, chance for rain. Yeah, that's what I expected. So, you the know what, if I get thing. soaked, I'll, I'll get soaked. There you go. I mean, the one good thing is that it's going to mean it's not as hot as it typically would be. Um Yep. So th- there's a little bit of a silver lining there, but uh, that, that is another factor to keep in mind, keep an eye on for this game. All right, so we'll give our predictions for this game at the end of the show. But as our uh, as we did last week, we're going to do our weekly pick segment. Um, quick recap of last week: uh, we both went five and three on our games. And if we're going to count the Mississippi State game, which we have to discuss how we actually want to tally stuff up, and we'll we'll get that figured out. I'll keep track of everything to determine who wins this, but. We obviously were both right picking Mississippi State. Uh, quick look at some of the games. We both took Georgia. I don't think either of us anticipated the performance we saw out of Georgia. Um, anyone who was hoping, and that, that includes me, that maybe Georgia was gettable this year and that they were going to take a step back, they pro- they look better. Like th- that offense is rolling. Stetson Bennett actually looks like a good quarterback now. So uh, Georgia at this point is in sort of death machine mode. Arkansas-Cincinnati was a good game. We both took the Hogs to win. Cincinnati had a lot of opportunities in that game and just couldn't quite close them, uh, capitalize. Um, but Arkansas does get the win at home. We were both wrong. We both took Utah to go down to the swamp, which this came up so close. Utah has first and goal down at the end in the game. They're down by three, and then you get a cam rising interception. So game certainly could have gone the other way. Our first big disagreement was on LSU and Florida. Florida State, rather. Probably the best game of the weekend or one of the best. Um, I took LSU basically playing a home game. Daniel took Florida State. So props to you on getting that game correct. Um, I was cheering for Florida State. I was happy it happened. Uh, you know, that was a, a wild start to the Brian Kelly era. We both survived oh, yeah. NC State over ECU. ECU's kicker misses a couple kicks there late. Uh, both were wrong taking App State to upset UNC. That game was ridiculous. Did, did no, you see the thing? No. Uh, App State UNC, so final score 63-61. More combined points than when App State and UNC played in basketball last year. They combined for like 120 wow. in basketball, combined for 120, uh, I think one what 124 in football. So that that I mean when you put up 40 points in the fourth quarter, that's gonna happen. Yeah. For sure. A game we've talked a lot about. I went out on a limb and I took Arizona to pull the upset against San Diego State, and I got that right. Uh, Daniel took San Diego State, so that kind of evens things out. 
And then we were both right with Ohio State. But Ohio State wasn't as dominant in that game as I think a lot of people anticipated. So solid week for both of us. And we were both right on MSU. Uh, Daniel gets the tiebreaker because his score prediction was a little bit closer. It, like, it's interesting. I was closer in terms of margin of victory. But I think 52-17 compared to 41-20, you were actually a little bit closer on the actual score playing out. So uh, in the head-to-head standings, you were 1-0. So sh- shout out to you. I'll take it. All right. So a lot of people are talking about this not being a great slate of games this week. I actually think there's a lot of good matchups, a lot more games in the SEC worth looking at. And we'll start out with college game day, the the big game everybody's excited for, people getting hyped for, that totally is going to be a close down-to-the-wire matchup. Number one, Alabama travels to Texas. Daniel, do you think the Longhorns have a shot at all? You know, Andrew and I can see each other. I'm going to show him something that shows my answer. I, I, yeah. No. <laughs> horns down. Going up the horns. <laughs> no, you're, Alabama's like a 20-point favorite in this game. Like they, They're going to win by more than 20. I don't know what, oh, I don't know what yeah. Vegas is smoking right there. This It opened up at like 17. Uh, this is going to be uh, – Quinn Ewers is going to be running for his life in this game, and Alabama's going to be able to pick their score. This is – Texas is not back, which, by the way, that one Texas fan on Twitter talking about how Alabama minus 20. Like, I'm going to do that when I go to Arizona. (laughs) There you go. There was that one Texas fan talking about where if we win, don't storm the field because we expect to win. (laughs) (laughs) Almost made Daniel choke right there. That that, that was too funny. (laughs) My – most Texas fans disagreed with him, and I think Mike expect to win. I think his context was, "We're Texas; we should be above that." Dude, you've been trashed for a decade. This would be your biggest win in forever. Like if if it somehow happens, storm the field. He was also yeah. using it like A and M stormed the field against Bama last year and went eight and four. So we shouldn't do it. Shut up! Like I, I hate that rivalry a lot. You beat Alabama. You storm the field. Like, not a question at all. All right. all right, one that might be a little bit more interesting, South Carolina traveling to Arkansas. Both teams got wins in week one. Both probably could have performed a little bit better than they did. Uh, what chances do you give the Gamecocks pulling off the upset in Fayetteville? Mm. Look, I mean, the, the, those Arkansas defensive backs, you know, they, they were playing against a bad quarterback last week, and they got lucky. Had some injuries. Had some injuries in the secondary for Arkansas. Yeah. watch. I think week two – Dare I say it, they're also playing a bad quarterback. Ooh. So give me the pork chops. Yeah, I've been kind of vocal that I'm not buying the South Carolina hype this year. I felt like they were lucky to get six and six a year ago. And while I think they're an improved team, I think they're snaring six and six in the face again. Uh, I, I would, I, I'm not as sold on Arkansas as a lot of people are for the season, but I definitely like them more than I like South Carolina, especially that game in Fayetteville. This game would have been a lot more interesting prior to like yesterday because some big news came out. Number 23, Wake Forest traveling to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt 2-0 in the season, two big impressive victories. Wake Forest, the big news with them, Sam Hartman, their quarterback. He had gonna be out for he was gonna be out for a while with a blood clot, it was announced. He's cleared to play, and he's one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So I think that changes some of the calculus here if you gave Vanderbilt a shot, but I'll still ask you, 
Do you think the Commodores can pull off an upset against a good Wake Forest team at home? Man, like, you know, I love chaos, and I I love Sam Hartman. I mean, he's a great guy and a great quarterback, and I, I was ready to throw it. Wasn't that the, the hankers down or whatever? You know, like, oh, I, I want to pick Vandy so bad just for the chaos of it. Give me Vandy. You know what? I, I typed in late fours. I just assumed, okay, let's do it. That No, give me Vandy. All right, I want hey, the chaos. Hey. I want the chaos. Their offense is better. Mike Wright's a good quarterback. He's got something. So, maybe. Mizzou travels out to Manhattan, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, to play Kansas State, an old Big 12, old Big 8 rivalry. Um, Kansas State, I believe, is about a seven- to eight-point favorite in this game. Um, interesting matchup. K-State's a team that's got some high, higher expectations this year in Missouri. We really don't know. They handle business with Louisiana Tech. Uh, what do you got in this one? Yeah, I don't think Missouri was too pleased with their performance against Louisiana Tech. I mean, they, they won. They took care of business, but – from what I heard, I don't think they were that pleased with it. I mean, I'll, I'll, between the battle of the two little keycats, yeah, yeah, and I think they're going to learn that they need some help this week against Kansas State because I, I think the Wildcats are going to, I think they're going to win by more than seven. Uh, I think Kansas State could could have a pretty decent year. You know, I, I heard some people say we're really high on Kansas State. I'm not like really high. Just I think they'll have a decent year. They could finish in the top twenty five and. Good, but, yeah, I got the Wildcats. There was a stat I saw, I believe, either today or yesterday. Uh, every single one of K-State's top 25 finishes happened under Bill Snyder. They have never finished ranked under any other coach. So, that if they do it this year, it would be their first time ever besides Bill Snyder. I am taking K-State, though. I am pretty high on them. I've got them in the Big 12 championship game to play Oklahoma. Uh, I like that team a lot. So, I, I, and I'm not buying Missouri, so I'll take them at home. App State, Texas A&M. The Aggies weren't really that impressive against Sam Houston State in week one. Haynes King didn't look all that good. App State can't stop anything, but, I mean, that offense, I mean, A&M's like a 17, 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, who do you got in this one? Man, A&M is overrated. Smash that plus 17, but, like, on the money line, uh Oh, gosh. A&M early season. I mean, this just happened so much under Jimbo. They just don't look good. They, their offense has not looked good. The same thing happened last year. Same thing happened really two years ago, kind of. Like, I don't – give me A&M. I don't really want to pick them. I think App State can do it, but I'll, I'll take A&M. Haynes King will find a way, maybe, or he'll throw a game-sealing interception. Who knows? I think A&M will handle business. Um, their defense, like with App State, obviously they, they've got an offense that can do something, but the, also North Carolina cannot stop anything. A&M's got some guys on defense. I think they'll be able to handle business at home. Um, and I do think like App State's defense isn't good either. So Texas A&M probably that, that's a good pickup, good uh, chance for improvement for them. This is kind of a fun game. Uh, Tennessee, number I, – I don't have stuff in the right place. Number 24, Tennessee, traveling to number 17, Pitt. They played a really good game a year ago. Pitt won that game in Knoxville. Pitt, though, is a touchdown underdog in this game. Uh, probably best game of the afternoon slate it, it, in terms of what you have going on. Uh, who do you like in this one? Yeah. Uh, 
Give me Pitt. Uh, I think I think they can do it. I mean they they had really they had a really close game obviously against West Virginia. Phenomenal way to start the college football season, and I guess outside of Week Zero, uh, I don't really count those. I don't watch it as much, but like phenomenal game, and they just they took advantage of every opportunity that was given to them, uh, namely that pick six at the end of the game. And if, if Hendon Hooker makes one mistake, I think Pitt's going to take complete advantage of it. That defense looked fairly solid. Um, and Tennessee, I don't think they're ready for that. That It's going to be another sold-out game at, uh, at Heinz Field or uh, whatever they call it now. AccuSure Stadium. Get it right. So I'm no. sorry. <laughs> so it's, it should always be Heinz, Heinz Field. That, that's the stupidest name thing. I am so torn on this game um, because – I hate Tennessee, but I also – I've recently developed a hatred for pit coach Pat Narduzzi. Um, just – he's been on an FU tour the entire offseason, just speaking his mind, you know, throwing his offensive court, complaining about throwing the ball too much after his team has its best season in 20 years, wins its conference. You have the first – only quarterback taken in the first round. You have a Bolitnikoff winner receiver. Oh, we should have been running the football more. Like, you won 11 games, dude. Um and talking about how uh, they only lost the bowl game because they had players out of the Big Ten isn't anything special. Uh, and then he's in the pregame show against West Virginia. You know, what's an air raid? I don't know what an air raid is. And it, Which, by the way, so ironic in that game. West Virginia is the air raid team, and they were running the ball down Pitt's throat the entire game. Meanwhile, Pitt tries to go I formation, tries to go ground and pound, couldn't get anything going. You know when Pitt was successful on offense? When they lined up in the gun with four and five receivers and were slinging it around. So, like, I think Narduzzi probably should keep his mouth shut about what offensive philosophy works well. I'm going to take Tennessee. I, I don't want to. I, that might be a spite pick. I think Pitt covers the spread. I don't think they're losing by a touchdown at home. But West Virginia, some of the stuff they did offensively is kind of similar to what Tennessee is going to do. And I do think the way they were able to run the ball against Pitt, I think Tennessee will run the ball well and be able to win one-on-ones on the outside, even though Pitt's supposed to be a good defensive team. I don't trust Tennessee to stop Pitt because Tennessee's defense is trash. But if Pitt's going to try to do some of that ground and pound stuff in this game and get away from what actually works for them, then I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Tennessee. So I'll take the balls to go on the road and get the win. Um, yeah, we need some picks where we disagreed, like <laughs> – we want to we want to compare records. Well, you, I, I like, you helped out I like, by taking Vanderbilt, uh, so you, I was tempted to I you know. No. Help, yeah, I might have helped your case for for winning next week because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm doing with that. But I'll stay with it, but I don't know hey. what I'm doing. Um, probably the game of the week in the SEC, maybe in the country. Number twenty, Florida, going on the road. Uh, sorry, number twenty, Kentucky, going on the road to number twelve, Florida. Uh, Kentucky's won two out of four in the series after Florida had won like thirty three in a row. And shout out to Dan Mullen for being the one who lost that winning streak uh, his first year in Gainesville. Um, Anthony Richardson delivered on the hype in week one. You know, now he's being crowned the second coming of Cam Newton. Will Levis is the guy who got all the buzz in the offseason as the, you know, first-round pick at quarterback because of the tools. Kentucky did not look good against Miami of Ohio, but Kentucky also does this every single year where they play like a, a lower team. They should beat by 30 and just play around. Like last year it was UT Chattanooga. They had to come back in the second half to win that game. And that was a 10 win Kentucky team. There's also the letdown potential for Florida in this game. So 
there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Which way are you leaning? You know, I was really close to picking Kentucky, but Colton reminded me earlier that Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee or whatever it is, like straight, straight to the depths of hell for that. Like go Florida, you know, give me the chomp chomps. Uh, Cause that, that's just horrible. How dare you disrespect coffee putting mayonnaise in it? I, give me Florida. I know it's a stupid reason to make the pick, but give me Florida. I hope, I hope he gets some rotten mayonnaise in his coffee that morning. He throws three interceptions. I I hate mayonnaise, um, so I'm all for uh, hating on on that reasoning. He also did the thing where he uh, where he ate the banana without peeling it. I'll admit, I tried it. I, I was interested. I tried it. It's not as bad as you think. It actually is not as bad as you think. It it Monster. just tastes like it just tastes like a banana. It literally just it, somebody said it kind of tastes like banana bread, and it kind of does. It's like a banana with a little bit of crunch to it, but it doesn't taste any different. Actually, um, I'm going Florida in this game. Kentucky is still dealing with some suspensions. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, who's really probably the best player on that team at running back, looks like he's still going to be out. And it sounds like one of these deals where it's not in – like Mark Stoops has no say over whether or not he plays here. It's like a higher power saying, no, he's out. It's something – I don't know what the whole deal is. And they got a few other players out as well. The letdown potential is real, and I think Kentucky will keep it close. Uh, but I do think in the swamp, I think Florida can build off last week's performance. So I'll take the Gators once again. Now, we got three games on the national slate that we'll go through. We'll go through these quickly uh, because we know you guys actually want to care about Mississippi State. BYU and Baylor, top 25 matchup. Uh, Last year they played in Waco and it was a really good back-and-forth game, but Baylor getting the win. They're up in Provo this year. This is going to be a conference game starting next year uh, when BYU joins the Big 12. BYU is about a three, three three-and-a-half point favorite in this one. Um, Baylor top 10 team. Um, What are your thoughts in this one? It's going to be an exciting one, fun one. Uh, you know, Baptist versus Mormons, what more could you ask for? Like, I don't think Baylor is anywhere near – Maybe I'm not anywhere near. I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but I still have them taking the game. I I, I can see that. Um, I'm going BYU. I'm just trusting BYU at home in this game. Now, the concern with BYU is that they might have a few players out of receiver which is tricky, but I do think they can still run the ball well. And their quarterback, uh, Jaron Hall, I expect him to be able to make some plays. I think this will be a really fun game uh, as a nightcap. If you're not – this game starts like an hour before the state game, so get some of this in before watching uh, what should be the Sickos game of the week out in Tucson. Now we have the Cyhawk game, otherwise known as El Asico, Iowa State against Iowa. Iowa, the – the immovable ob- object, uh, or I, I don't know how the phrase goes, but it doesn't really matter. Iowa's offense is garbage. Iowa State does not beat Iowa. They've lost six in a row. Matt Campbell has never beaten uh, the Hawkeyes. Last year, they had every opportunity in the world, and they just turned the ball over a million times. Like, Iowa only had, like, 170 yards of offense and put up, like, 27 points because of a bunch of turnovers. No idea truly what to expect in this game. It's always an ugly, nasty game. Who do you got? Yeah, I, man, I thought last year was uh, Iowa State's year to take it. 
But, I mean, Iowa was actually a really good team last year. I'm taking Iowa State, taking the Cyclones. Um, you know, you really – I never have a reason to hate Iowa State. And Matt Campbell, I mean, I thought he would have been gone by now. He, he stayed. And, you know, he has a chance to rebuild back into what he had two years ago. And I think he can. And he'll start with a uh, win against Iowa. I want Iowa State to win because I don't like Iowa. And I also think it's funny, like, going back to the Outback Bowl and also in, in solidarity, with, solidarity with Brandon Walker. Um, but also, like, they, I, I don't know. They, they had, I, I want them to suffer for being so bad on offense. That said, as a principal play, Iowa State doesn't beat them. So I'm just going to take Iowa to win the game. They're playing at Kinnick. So uh, we'll have another disagreement there. Last one we'll talk about Houston going on the road out to Lubbock. Uh, Dana Holgerson going up against his old team in Texas Tech, or team he coached with, coached with Mike Leach out in uh, Texas Tech. I believe Tech is like a three or so point favorite here, Houston being ranked in the top 25. Um, Interesting game. Last year, Houston, the only regular season game they lost was the opener against Texas Tech. And I know we got killed by Texas Tech, but that wasn't that great of a Texas Tech team. Uh, So with the game out in Lubbock, what are your thoughts here? Houston's out for blood for that comeback. I mean, that was all that stood between them and an undefeated regular season. They're coming for it. Uh, I think they're going to win. Win by touchdown and a field goal. So 10-point win. Go, Go Cougs. I got the Cougs as well. Um, I think Texas Tech could be an interesting program in the next few years with some of the stuff they're doing on their coaching staff. Uh, but I like Houston to be able to get the game, even though coming off a big kind of potential for a letdown performance after that crazy game against UTSA. All right. Now what you guys actually care about. Mississippi State travels to Arizona. State is favored by about 10 and a half in this game. Opened up around seven, although some people are talking about this being favored by 14 and 14 and a half. I don't know where that came from. Uh, but it's since moved up to about 10 and a half. People are putting the money on the Bulldogs. Uh, the betting public is. If you look at some of the analytics system, SB Plus predicts State to win this game 36 to 14, gives them about a 90% chance to win. But I will say, SB Plus took Arizona to lose to San Diego State 31 to 15. Um, another guy I follow a lot, and you've seen his graphics, The all, all the graphics talking about Will Rogers leading an EPA. Those are the responsibility of Parker Fleming on Twitter at Stats of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts out like these win probability graphics all the time. He has state 33 to eight, or his computer has state 33 to 18 with an 85% chance to win. But again, his computer models had San Diego State winning 28 19 last week. So clearly there's an adjustment period for Arizona, although some of that may be an adjustment for how good is actually is San Diego State. Uh, but they also both predict slightly closer games for State against Memphis, so there may be some adjustment for MSU as well. The numbers expect MSU to win this game comfortably. Uh, media tend to be on State, but they expect a close game and high scoring. Arizona fans have gotten confident pretty quickly, just kind of cruising over their boards, over their message board, and running through some of their guys on Twitter. They they very quickly turned the tide from hopefully we can just make it look respectable to we are fully capable of winning this game, and I've said that all along, and yet it still annoys me when I hear the other fan base say, oh, yeah, we can just win it. Um, some of the things they've said are flat stupid. Uh, obviously, look, we've talked about this game a lot as if there's a trap game on the schedule for MSU, this is it. Um, early in the season, if you want to have a chance to build on a big year, you want to be able to go out and get this win. And, look, I don't know what's going to happen. It's packed up after dark, crazy things can happen. Arizona clearly is a better team. If State loses, I don't think it's into the world. I'm not going to sit here and just be hammering that the season's over. 
but I will certainly recognize that if you want a chance at a big year, you got to win this one. Um, even though I'm someone who buys into the idea of Mike Leach, not only did yes, he loses the weird one, but he'll also pull an upset. And I would still expect an upset somewhere along the way. If you want to have the type of year this team is capable of having, though, you, you need to find a way to win this game. Um, what last little note on this game, just quick, interesting. Uh, cowbells are allowed. So if you're making a trip out to Tucson, if you can have your they, – They changed their mind on that. Really? Yeah. Just now? Yeah, it, I, I landed in uh, Houston, and they were like – I saw something. Pac-12 made a statement. It was like, we know the AD said this, but we actually have a ban on on artificial noisemakers. Oh, man. I was about to tell everyone to, you know, make your – everyone out in Tucson, make your presence known. But, uh, look, this is a big game for the season. It's a big game for getting off to a hot start. I, I don't think it's end-all, be-all because I – look, weird kickoff time. Um long road trip it's in a weird spot who knows what can happen pac 12 after dark i mean daniel said it a few times now like craziness happens when you get pac 12 after dark but this is a team if you're mississippi state you should be better than you should be able to handle your business and if, again if you want to have a big year you got to go handle your business so uh i'll let you go first daniel what are you predicting in this game got a state winning very confident i'm here i think i'm confident 38 21 very very confident um, I think those three touchdowns from Arizona, I think two of them come in the second half, really in the third quarter. And then they kind of lock it up in the fourth quarter there. But, yeah, confident. Confident in Will Rogers. Going to get a lot of yards. Maybe not 400, but he's going to get a lot of yards. I've also got State winning this game. Um, I remember back in the preview show I talked about, I was very tempted. Like, my my hot take is, like, State loses to Arizona, beats Georgia. Um Honestly, confidence should be going the other way for Arizona. Like, oh, it's more likely we lose this game, whereas confidence should also be going the opposite direction for Georgia. Like, yeah, we don't have a chance now. Um, it's week two. We'll see what happens. But I'm not going to sit here and predict the state to lose this game at this point. I, I, I'm going to have some faith in this team. I'm not going to go with a big blowout. I do have a semi-competitive game, 34-26, so an eight-point victory for state with Arizona, you know, slightly covering the spread there. Um, I think it's kind of that sweet spot of state wins the game, relatively not comfortably but they, they they're not it's not like super down to the wire but Arizona certainly keeps it respectable I think that's a, a a nice middle ground and I think if you can get out of this game with a win you're setting yourself up for a chance to go down to Baton Rouge and have a uh, a chance at a really big win to get things going so both of us are on the Bulldogs for week two we were both right for big state victories in week one so hopefully we can keep that trend going um, if you're making the trip out to Tucson Again, keep your rain gear handy, and apparently don't take your cowbell. We were going to give you – going to throw that out there for you, but it sounds like they've, they've changed their minds, unfortunately, which I understand. It, that, 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 that still sucks. Um, check out all the great food. I've heard Tucson's a great place. My dad has spent some time there while doing some work, and uh, he, he loves it out in Arizona. So uh, it's a beautiful area. Um, be weather aware, but definitely a lot to check out. So. We'll be back with you. Daniel will be back with us uh, next, about a week from now, to preview uh, State's game against LSU. But obviously, me and Lounge will have the recap on this game uh, sometime early next week. So, uh, hopefully, we can be talking about a Bulldog victory once again. As always, swing your sword and hail State.